I need to think about this often. I could not explain to you how Wi-Fi works. Not at all. Or Nothing what the, about internet the internet is <laughs> or where it lives. <laughs> I don't understand. No way. <laughs> like I kind of I kind of think that Wi-Fi is like the radio. Like I kind of understand how radio works. I still think that's it's pretty like magic. radio waves. I know how it works. Still seems pretty magic. <laughs> I wish, well, I kind of wish, but I also kind of think it sounds like the premise of a horror movie. Like, if we had antennas, like body antennas, you know what I mean? Because, like, okay, people are transmitting things through the air everywhere. Like, you're swimming in somebody's information right now. And, like, radio waves and, you know what I mean? And it's just like, what is, like, what's happening? Can I hear it? Or maybe not. (laughs) Mm. Wow, we really are swimming through people's information. Wow. That's so weird. That is weird. Like like physically, we're doing that. No, literally. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. We're, we can't talk about this on the show because now I'm thinking about like phones. Like, how does that work? Because that's not Wi-Fi. Sometimes, but mostly no. Data, right. Sometimes, but mostly no. Right, all of the, the cell phone-ness. Yeah. More waves. Waves. Mm. You feel like you're drowning? It's because you are. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. There's so true. Not not a song here. It's We Love That, and I'm Kenyon. And I'm Jerome. Uh, and we're so excited <laughs> about our guest today, um, a classic staple of We Love That. It's Sophia Coppelmore. Hello there. Hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, Kenyon, Kenyon, who was that? I hear a we voice. Have a very special guest with us. <laughs> a voice from the ether. It's coming to us. Um, wow. I'm so glad that we're joined today by the one and only Sophia Campomore. Hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Who is this? <laughs> uh Wow. Honestly, original collaborator of the show. That amazing theme music that you all, I guess, just heard. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sophia wrote that. And it's so good. Thank you. Sorry, I can't tell if I'm here yet or not in terms of the space of the episode. Oh, great. (laughs) Well, in that case, thanks for having me back. It's so, so good that we love that is back and even better to be here with it. We're honored that you would you would jump back into the pool. I feel like for the, now for the whole episode, I'm going to be talking about swimming and <laughs> waves and pools, um, undulating, etc. Um, but yeah, not only were you, not only have you written the music that has accompanied every episode of the podcast, so in in that way, you're kind of a guest every episode. Mm, um, true. So true. But you're also our first guest on the pod. You're our first full. 
like interview on the podcast. So, so amazing to think. It feels like ages ago. And it's very well, good to be back. In some ways, I fear it was. <laughs> that was in 2018, which is now five years ago. Okay, so that's why it feels like it was five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> wow, amazing. Yeah. This is a podcast that spanned five years. Hey. That's very exciting. That's great. With <laughs> continuously for five straight years <laughs> running. <laughs> Um, uh, I love, what was I going to say? I don't know. I, I've, just, I've fully forgotten what I was, <laughs> whatever little train I was about to go down. And maybe it was carried away by, by the waves. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Maybe your thoughts exactly. were replaced by the waves. You know Trains are really bad at swimming. <laughs> well, that's so true. Have you ever seen a, a train go through the water? They should do that, I feel. Hmm. I mean, well, like subway tunnels. That's right. Subways go underneath, oh. which is also one of the weird things that I don't know how it works, but it happens. Yeah, like how do they build that ton? How do they get the air down there? I actually, yeah, <laughs> no. No, I was riding the BART the other day, which is the Bay Area Rapid Transit System, if anyone's not you. in the know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, you know, I was going from the East Bay into San Francisco, and so you've got to go under the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards I like looked up pictures of them putting in the tunnel mm-hmm. and it's just like people just putting in these big tubes into the water, and, but it doesn't make any sense looking at the photo. No. Cause it's like, no. that's, so that's going to fill up with water. That's how it I, works. So I may not know much. With air in it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> how does it work? And for a, a spans like that, which is pretty wide. I, I know nothing about the state that you're from, but that I understand. <laughs> I know that it's large. Yeah. Uh, like, every day I take the the train from Brooklyn to Manhattan, which goes underwater. Actually, the train that I ride does not go underwater. The but there that are trains that do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, you know, is a pretty narrow stretch. Still kind of unfathomable, but it is a narrow stretch. The bay is, well... It's a whole bay. A whole bay. It's but significant. then you think about, like, the channel. That, that's going through the whole English channel. Oh. No, no. Did you say the channel? The, ch- the channel? The channel tunnel? <laughs> Me neither. I really thought I was like, oh, someone's going to have to catch that in, in post. I and you meant exactly what you said. Wow. I hope I'm not making this up. No, the channel is a thing. <laughs> the channel tunnel. <laughs> I hope it's a thing. And if it's not that a thing, really you fun. just made it a thing. That's true. <laughs> um, I've remembered what I was going to say. Great. Which is that I don't think of myself as being particularly distinct from the version of myself that mm. recorded that episode. Mm. Episode six, I believe, of this very podcast. Mm-hmm. But that was five years ago. Full fifth of your life. Whoa. <gasps> Whoa. It's <laughs> so shocking. Whoa. No, we're like different. That, that's a, a, a gorgeous. I mean, now is the time when someone should play Quarter Life by Sophie Wait, and Glamour. You know exactly. Mm. And you're so right to say that. Hmm. Very interesting. 20% life. Which also feels like <laughs> another era. <laughs> yes, 20% life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Does Quarter Life feel like it's fully. I mean, it. it's not 
I still like play those songs, but it does sure. certainly feel its own world musically and like its own time of making in terms of mm. me thinking about who I was in 2018, maybe even 2021. I don't know, early 2021, that, that was a pretty different person than the now. Sure. In my brain. Okay, well, this feels very, it feels fascinating to, uh, as a person who, well, we're all here the same age, and as a person who has known you, Sophia, for a very long time, I feel like once you kind of get into college, then it feels like, oh, there's the stuff you did when you were a kid, before you were in college, before you knew anything. Yeah. And then there was the stuff that you did after. Right. And I feel like now we are trying to, uh, trying to, now we're starting to enter, like, Wait, no, there's there are things that I made when I was not a kid, things that yes. I made as an adult yes. that now feel old or feel like an era behind or feel like, oh, I've learned so much since then. Yes. That feels like a very particular, that feels new to me as an idea. For this reason, I have decided that we can continue moving in four-year cycles and that, as I've said <laughs> to you before, I think we're right now seniors in our early 20s. <laughs> which is a different thing like than being that. a senior in college, which is why things we made then or things we made as freshmen in early 20s or sophomores in early 20s, well, we're seniors now, so they feel oh. different. We that... should keep graduating every four years. We should think of it in that way. Mm-hmm. Or at least some sort of period, like some sort yeah, of cycle. Yeah, it'll probably stretch or sort of... it doesn't have to be four forever. But yeah. Wow. Okay. So, how's everyone's senior year going? <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Hmm. As far as senior years that I've had, um, it's a pretty good one, I guess. I don't. I don't know. I don't know that I've always had great luck with senior years. Hmm. Well, it feels like um, like. The seventh Harry Potter book, mm. not to invoke I know. Harry Potter, <laughs> but in the seventh Harry Potter book, when it's like, actually, this one is totally unlike the rest of them, yeah. and they're not at Hogwarts, and they're not doing any of the things that we've come to expect them to do every year. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's totally different. I feel like all of my senior years have been like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I feel like I had my fall semester of finishing my thesis and now I'm looking for jobs. I'm not really looking for jobs, but I'm like trying to not know what happens after graduation as a place sure. in life. Mm. So it does, it does feel like my senior years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for anyone out there who's not in the know, um, the, the thesis that Sophia is talking about is her absolutely delicious, scrumptious album, full-length <laughs> album, might I add, <clears throat> if you knew I couldn't tell, which came out, is it in November now? December 6th. December, okay. Well, you got it in November, maybe. Or the 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 true and local fans got it November 29th <laughs> if they came to my show. But everybody else got it sometime between then and December 6th. Wow. Senior project, thesis done, thesis complete. <laughs> That's a wrap on that. Senior year, time to graduate into the, into <laughs> the void. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here on this day that we're recording this now, mm. we're almost 
two months past this album being out in the world. Mm-hmm. We're like in that range between when the first people started hearing it and when everyone else in the world streamed this iconic album. Um, how does, I mean, in thinking about eras and thinking about things that like feel connected to you now versus things that are in the past, how is, how do you feel connected to this thing at this point, like a, a couple of months after it is out in the world? Yeah, I feel, I feel like the sound world that it became still feels really right to me, which is like reassuring, both on the level of like, I was making this thing and I was so inside of it and I hope that it is what I think it is, but what do my ears even know anymore? And I do feel like (laughs) listening to it, I still feel like I continue to feel excited and, and glad about the sound world that it found. So that is like reassuring and good two months out. Totally. And yeah, and this and the songs, the like individual songs. I don't know. I think that some of them are 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 old songs relative to who I am now or sure. Who I understand myself as now, but and there many of them are songs I've played many times at this point, um, but they still feel current, I would say, in a way that Quarter Life doesn't. Maybe this is all to say two months is not that long, and <laughs> yeah. it still feels like, or it feels, I mean, one thing that's really useful is that if I'm meeting new people now and I'm saying, I have an album you can go listen to, it still feels very like, you will understand what I want you to understand about me and my music right now by listening to this. So we're still in that phase of things, sure. which probably will change at some point, or maybe it won't. I think, um, I think at least some of this feels a little more like calcified in a good way of like, I am mm-hmm. an adult and this is a little bit of who I am and probably who I'll stay in a way that feels positive and that even if I, will definitely and, and like want to explore in new directions that this feels like I think a foundation in a way that um not everything else has achieved as much as this so that's exciting I just love that yay that's the point <laughs> like, we love I that. mean <laughs> sorry that's the point of the show <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, hearing you hearing you say that, like, it still sounds good to you. Um, and, you know, maybe you're, I mean, you're, you're right. Like, two months isn't that, that long of a time. But that is, I don't know, that feels like like the best sort of self-gift, honestly. It's like, oh, yeah. I still love this thing that I did, even though it's, it's aging right before my eyes. Um, <laughs> and not everything that we make, at least not everything that I make, feels like no. that. Some stuff is like, oh my gosh, I was really feeling it that day, but that was that day, and today is this day. <laughs> Gotta move on. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's amazing to hear that it, that it has that foundation like you're talking about. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I totally have felt often what you describe about a lot of times by the point you get to of putting out the thing, you're like, uh, I've, I've already grown so far faster or I've spent so much time with it that I really got out of, out of it all that I wanted to ever. 
or it just needs to be done so I can move on to the next thing. Like those are all feelings I'm definitely familiar with. And so that's why I'm trying to appreciate that this feels like a step forward from that in some ways. Sure. And I'd, I want to get into it. I'm glad to hear that. And also not surprised to hear that, but that it felt like there could have been a lot of opportunity to feel like, oh, I've worked on this and put it out and now want to separate oneself from it because so much of this album we, or so many tracks on this album we got to hear throughout a year, right? Like we got to hear different pieces of it coming together. And so I want to get through, I want to like talk through all of that process of it, but Mm -hmm. where would you, is there a point that you would say is like the beginning point of making this album pointing toward this album Mm. that that feels like if you had to trace it back to a distinct point? Yeah, it's such a good question because I think that there are some points I can name and I I definitely didn't know them at the time they were happening. And I think there was Mm. other points when I thought I was starting a project and I really wasn't starting it yet. Um, So so both of those. Um, Okay, love that. Yeah. So I think, so July... 2021, I put out Quarter Life EP, just three songs that I was working on that year. And then I was starting to play shows in New York around then in that fall. And I had a bunch of other songs, some some of which were back from my senior project, um, which was my first EP that I didn't put onto that EP. So I had some songs that were kind of hanging around from then and songs that I were, was playing live that I liked and that I was feeling a sense after quarter life of, okay, I'm glad I did this, but I want to figure out what the next thing is. And I want to make the new things and make them better. And so I had, there was a couple of times in that fall when I was saying, I I want to be recording the next thing. And I have some ideas of what it is and um, maybe who I might do it with or how I might do it. But it kind of felt like it was going around and in circles and I, I wasn't actually working on it. I just knew I wanted to be. Um, okay. And the only song from that time that made it onto the album was Red Horizons. And so mm-hmm. retroactively, what I say in a lot of ways is that I always knew that whatever I was making, the last song was Red Horizons. And so kind of the process of making the album and maybe of listening to it or the, the journey of listening to it is how are we going to get there? Um, and so that was really literally the process of making it. And so, you know, it was the closer I would play at my shows. It was the oldest song that I ended up putting on the album. Um, everything else kind of got left behind from the, those early kind of fall days when I wanted to make something. And so another like starting point that I trace now, but that was unclear then was, December 2021, I played a show with um, a couple people who I had been playing with, but one of those people was Chris Peters, friend of the pod. And a friend of the pod. <laughs> Love Chris him. Yes. Peter. And after that December show was the first time he like directly asked me or like said to me, hey, if you ever want to work with me as a producer, I would love to do that. Um and he was like, not sure then if he was going to be in town and things like that. But that was the first kind of conversation we had in that direction. Um, and I was really excited to work with him because I loved the other things he had made. So 
knowing now that he really was the um, captain producer, as I say, of this project, <laughs> that was in many ways the beginning of it was when he signed okay. on in that way. But I think neither of us knew what it was that we were making then, certainly. And so then I found like, I think maybe the week after that was probably the first time I kind of went over to his apartment and gave him whatever like five songs I thought were the project. Or maybe at, at some point, I think it was still in December, I had like, I had this like oatmeal concept where it was like four different EPs <laughs> that were all oatmeal themed. Like, <laughs> so, so ridiculous. This. Like there was a, it was, <laughs> there was like a, cause I, at that time and for many years before then had been eating oatmeal every day for breakfast. Not a good Same. way, to, but not a good way to make an album. But at the time I thought there was like, <laughs> there was the Quick Oats EP. There was like one minute songs that I had been writing, some short ones. And then there was the like overnight oats maybe of like the like darkness, <laughs> midnight <laughs> feelings. And then there was like steel cut oats. There was going to be like some guitar song. I don't know. Ooh, I don't remember yes. all the concepts, but I was like, wait, wait. All right, Chris. What Kenyon is schwitzing on the Zoom call. This speaks to me like so few things could ever possibly like try to speak to me. I'm like a lifelong oatmealer. Wow. Thank you. Okay, good. And to hear that, to hear that there was possibly a like a cycle of four EPs about different kinds of oatmeal, which all have their benefits and drawbacks, let me tell yes. you. I... At least know that if you had made that, you would have had at least me a major fan. But you still have me as a major fan, so you I mean honestly? Yeah, I think I, I think I made the right call, and that I kept you as a fan, and I kept Chris Peters on the project. Um, he very kindly did not kick me out after the oatmeal pitch, um, but I, I will say I don't, I don't think it's really what drew him forward into the project. Um, all this to say, the like December to February phase uh, was kind of okay in my mind I don't have like the exact dates but in my mind it was just a series of like if this is a movie like it's a montage of me going to Chris's apartment and saying what if it's these seven songs what if it's these six songs what if it's these four songs and every time we learn a little bit more um and so I think around February ish or maybe March ish I don't know around there we decided to make three or four as the first starting point of like, we know this song is important in here and we feel like we know what it will involve as a song sure. from playing it live and from working on it in a way that Red Horizons was probably going to be a bigger scope maybe, or we thought there might be more to learn about that. Um, mm-hmm. So the the thing we arrived at was, okay, we maybe don't know how many songs come before, or how many come after, we know we're going to end up at Red Horizons, but we know what three or four is. What if we made that as kind of like a test case to see what sure. the rest of this might need? Can we take a sec to listen to a bit of three or four? Sure. I call her, she answers, the rest comes easily. There's no one else who makes me feel quite the same I call her cause it's Sunday And I've waited all week To hear her smile shine 
first time I heard three or four and I was like oh Sophia's like out to kill you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) murder and like oh you're like you're writing to to get me you're writing to come for me well (laughs) yeah yeah oh my gosh I too remember hearing it for the first time and well this will sound like a compliment which it is but it's also kind of a tirade (laughs) In fact, <laughs> um, I don't know if it's that, you know, the full disclosure has already been made, which is that we've been friends for a very long time. Mm. Um, and so I don't know if it's like, if it's one feeding to the other, if it's that like, I'm inclined to like it because I already like you or if <laughs> because we've known each other for a long time, we're inclined to like similar things. Mm. Um but I similarly listened to the first time and was like, wait, this, why doesn't all, who's making music that isn't this? Like, Aww. and it, it, you know, you're not out here with like a million dollars and all the time in the world to be writing and producing and making the best music of all time. And yet here I am listening. And I'm like, wait, this is what I want the music to sound like. Like mm. Sophia's <laughs> making the music that I want to listen to. Um, and I think that's amazing. Like, just to to hear you talk about, like, okay, well, what if we made this as, to see what, what this sounds like and if this is, like, the world to delve into? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, here's a question. What did it feel like to strike gold so quickly? <laughs> what did it feel like to <laughs> immediately do something fantastic? Or did it feel that way? Like, did it, when you were making this, did it feel like, oh, yeah, we're, like, in the right direction? I think that... I don't know that I experienced it as like we struck gold, but I think that looking back, having made the rest of the album, um, it was it was really s- smooth and like good. I mean, it was really fun to make, and it like the process in hindsight was like extremely smooth to do. Having mm-hmm. made other songs where there was just like more struggle, and so so when it was happening, it it didn't seem like. I couldn't tell that it was probably unusual in terms of how everything else came together, but it did have like a kind of momentum and like clarity around the process that was definitely really helpful in setting up the rest of the year. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that shines through. I mean, it, it comes through the the smoothness that you're talking about because it feels mm-hmm. to me at least it was like this like I'm holding this thing. Like you like the it was like, "Oh, this there's a real thing here and I can see it all. I can see it's fully mm-hmm. fleshed yeah. out." Um and sometimes I don't know, it, when when things struggle more, it, it can it can be you can kind of feel the seams, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And this mm-hmm. yeah, ah, oh, oh my goodness. Um one of my favorite lyrics off the album is in is in the first verse. Um, and I hope I quote it correctly. It's okay. Um, to to hear her smile shine through the vowels of my name. Mm. N- <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that one's important. The secret there is that I I practiced that line in a poem that I wrote a few years before. Um, mm. at, or how many years before would it have been? Time, COVID three pandemic time is so weird. Oh, not three or four. <laughs> I, I wrote this poem my senior year of college. And then I wrote this song uh, uh, a, a year and a half later-ish. The song kind of took a while to write, actually. But anyways, that particular line was like a thought that I chewed over on a few years and then like found in the melody in the right way in a good way. So I'll say that it, it had some Ooh. practice on its way to the song. <laughs> do you do that a lot? Do you find yourself borrowing from... I think that not just from yeah. songs or musical ideas, but even like I like po- poetic, non non musical or non lyrical. I think ideas. I I didn't. I think I remember this because I don't feel like I've done it often, but I do think it's happening okay. more, and I think that's sure. just because I'm writing a lot more and I'm writing a lot more all the time, and so sure there's more. Yeah, there's more to take from, and it's kind of good to. Or I don't know. I'm not a person who really likes drafts as a concept, but they're definitely okay. important. Sorry, as a concept, I don't hate drafts. What I mean is in my own <laughs> practice, I'm not like, I don't have like a great relationship with drafts as like a part of my process, I would say. Um, sure. I do revise songs, but anyways, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that I'm appreciating abstracting the concept of the draft so that like okay. the like functions of the draft are helping my work even when I'm sort of tricking myself into doing drafts. Did that make any yeah. sense? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, this, this might be a, a good segue because a, another thing that happened last year and that found its way into this album mm-hmm. is, is the Wordle song. Yes. Is, mm. Indeed. To, can you describe this this concept and then how how did these songs find their way onto this album? Yeah, so this is a big part of the piece of the story where it's like in December of 2021, I had no idea the album I was making because this February 2022 is going to bring this whole new wave of creation. Um, the yeah. Wordle song is a game I started playing on, I think, February 4th, 2022. So the Wordle itself is a game that was invented by someone in the UK. It's now owned by the New York Times. But this guy made this game online. There's five-letter words. Each day has a new five-letter word that you must guess. You have six tries to guess the word by guessing other five-letter words until you know enough about the letters to get the word of the day very popular. I'm sure many of you have heard of it. Um, And 
the, I was riding the subway one day. I, I had heard about it because I was doing some substitute teaching and the other like teachers in the teacher's lounge were like comparing notes on the Wordle. And so then I started mm-hmm. playing to like have something to talk to them about or talk to the kids about. Um, <laughs> and I was riding the subway to this job one day and just thought, oh, what if I used my guesses and the word of the day, but also the guesses that weren't the right words? What if I took those two to five to six words and used them in a song verse usually? Um, so I started doing this every day. I did it every day straight for probably about a month. And then I did it every other day for another month. And then I did it when I felt like it after that. (laughs) Um, But basically it was a way, it started really specifically as a way for me to make TikTok videos that I liked because I had a goal of being present there because I knew that would be helpful for music things in general. But I struggled to find a way to do that sustainably. Um, sure. And this was a really good answer because I was having fun and I was making something that sounded like me. And yeah. And and at the end of the day, if no one watched it, I had written some song and that always felt good. Cause a lot of times when you're making quote unquote content, you can spend hours on something <laughs> that nobody will watch. And you look at back at it and you say, I don't even like this or care about this. Why did this take hours of my life? So this way it really felt like, I am here doing what I want to do, being who I want to be, whether people watch it or not. I like how I spent my time. So, mm. world song. Sure. And it was a great way to just be writing a lot of songs. Um, they were usually like thir- 20 to seconds to maybe 40 seconds. It was really usually like a verse or mm-hmm. a chorus. Um, and so later in the year, I started making some accountability around finishing some of them usually offline, um, but just because there is a difference between starting a lot of songs and finishing songs. Um, (laughs) Anyways, this is probably too long of a Wordle tangent. Basically, that's what a Wordle song is. And then some of the songs I, some of the songs like would be complete in their 30 seconds. So they would just like tell this little story and be done. And then some of the songs suggested some of the songs would be like a verse, but it it didn't even feel complete. It was just what it was. And then some of the songs mm-hmm. really felt like the start to something that I wanted to find out more about. So I finished some of sure. them and three of the songs on the album started that way. So that was part of what was happening, especially that February when I was throwing different set lists at Chris was I was also like, and by the way, this morning I wrote, I wrote this. D- do we like this? I can't tell. I just wrote it. But what if, what if this? This feels exciting. Yeah. And then some of them turned out like that. Yeah. Which songs? So Unless you don't want the, to give that up. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I do. I mean, you can tell by the five letters a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. So the it's the, the second through fourth songs. It's um, Vivid and Elder and Round Robin mm-hmm. are the three. Mm-hmm. in the forest migrating south a high flyer hoping to make it out the years growing older with the alder tree but I'll still be the elder when she catches me all that I know 
Chris on the on the podcast and we love him. What was it like to have him through what your what is the writing process, right? Like to have another mm. person that you get to like bounce stuff off of. Um yeah, how did that like yeah. change how you write? Or do you normally write write a lot with feedback or that's a good question. So it's it's interesting. He was such a crucial collaborator in this project. And I I think that how he related to the writing process was more on the side, yeah, of, of feedback and more of kind of bigger picture things most of the time. Mm. Um, so it, it was mostly, I would say, just kind of feedback on does this fit into the overall world that you are kind of seeing and hearing of this album? Um, mm. I will say that there were some great moments where he would ask really important questions about the lyrics of the song to that really helped clarify them. Um, three or four is actually a key one of those. So we played that show in December that we played was the first time I had played it live and it had a different bridge then. And so when we were having uh. this conversation that night where he was, we were talking about trying to record some and we were talking about three or four at some point in there, I was saying, you know, I, I don't feel like I have the bridge quite yet. I think I had asked another friend for feedback and, that had maybe come up there. Um, and so I think maybe the next time I, I went over it and we were talking about songs in general, we, we asked some questions of the bridge. Um, and yeah, he had some really good ideas about like, what if there was some more space or, or fewer words? And that's mm. what happened. That's, that's why there's an O there. Um, uh, sure. And it, it wasn't like that in the first version. Um, so that was like a super important moment. Similarly, like like with gum, um, gum is pretty similar to how I first like spit it out. But he was listening to it, and he was he let me know like, yeah, too many words here didn't quite make sense. Can you say this a little clearer? Um, mm. So yeah, he knows where to listen, where to ask a, a good question. Um, and some of the other um, like vivid, especially took a took a long time to find all the words for. I didn't get them all until mid-July. Um, wow. And there was a couple of different people that I like brought it to who asked really good questions of the song to help me figure it out. So, yeah, to that's... I don't remember exactly how you phrased the question, but having somebody to hear the songs and and raise their areas of uncertainty or like unclarity super helpful sure who so it was you it was chris were there other collaborators on the project and yeah how did they fit in 
Yeah. So the other um, main producer on the project was Oren Levin, um, who I I think I met, yeah, in that February. He's a um, mutual friend of other friend of the pod, Isaac Scobithal. Um <laughs> And that was a really cool collaboration because he was someone who I had, had moved to this city, I guess, a couple months before we met. And so we were going to hang out for the first time and jam, whatever. And I played him Uninvited, which I had written in December. And just right away, we made a demo of it that first time that we met. Um, oh, wow. He's a really wonderful and speedy producer and just dove right in and said, cool song. Let's see what it sounds like um, and got right to it. And so that was, yeah, that was really exciting to have that kind of going in parallel while we're making three or four Um that like I was getting opener energy from that, which was really important because one of the questions that had come up in the early conversations was what's the opener going to be? And there was a while where we actually talked about like recording a, an electrified, electrified version of Shortest Day again. Oh, wow. Was, oh. was, a, was a, a early thought. Um, but what, yeah, once I, I mean, could still happen, could be great fun, but... <laughs> <laughs> Once I like had met Oren and we had this demo of Uninvited, I ha- I felt like I was finding the beginning, which was really great. And then Oren also uh, worked on Round Robin. So that was just the two of us pretty much. Chris came in on Uninvited a few months later and sort of um, was like an assistant producer and did some really spectacular guitar work on it. Um, sure. And some really like great additional perspective. Um but Round Robin was one that I did just with Oren. And yeah, it was it was really, really fun to work with him. Those two songs had pretty different trajectories as collaborations, um, but both both lovely. And then, right, there were other, so that was like pr- producer collaborators, but um, so many wonderful musicians played on the project. Um, Ty Oranger played drums on all of the the songs that had live drums and he had been playing live shows with me and really helped kind of develop and workshop some of the parts, especially in three or four, there was some spaces like in the second verse where the drums enter, where we were really kind of writing out loud together, thinking about what would, what would sound cool in that way. Um, and yeah. And, and in the recording process, he and Chris would work really collaboratively in the studio itself, trying different things especially in L which is a song that like has a lot of room for instrumental mm. interpretation there was a lot of lot, lots of collaboration happening there and in, in shaping those sounds um and we had Dudley Rain the fourth playing strings on three or four and um Daniel Rudin playing many keys <laughs> on the album now I'm going to forget people if I try and say all, all people. But yeah, a lot of musician collaborators. And then some other like writing sounding boards as well. There's a songwriter circle here that I participate in that gave some really great thoughts on Vivid, especially when I was going through drafts of oh. that, really. Um, that was really helpful. Um, I've been learning to have drafts. And then <laughs> also Gaia Music Collective was another space that really helped develop Round Robin, especially. Um, Awesome. The like first time I ever went to one of their circle singings, there was kind of a 
open time at the end and I had been working on round robin and just had people sing loops of whatever they felt like once the kind of structured portion of the song ended and that really informed a lot of my arranging when I worked on the song later so many many collaborators pick a pick a path (laughs) yeah I want to loop back to L let I want to talk about L because L I L stands for love because I love L um (laughs) and it's it Sounds and feels different. It it feels like a song that I have not. I I wouldn't categorize it with songs that I've I've heard you put out before. Mm-hmm. Like it it feels and sounds very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I I want to know more about that. Like if that was, um, I mean we've been talking about okay, you're kind of trying to fill out a an album idea, mm-hmm. but like trying to to fill in. Uh, how how you get to you know yeah. Red Horizons there at the end, um, is that did it come as a, a musical idea as a, a lyrical idea to get there or how how does that how does L come about? Yeah, so there's a few steps and none of them felt conscious towards this will be what comes before Red Horizons. Like it very sure. much was not like okay, how do we what's going to go there kind of thing. Um, the timeline was really kind of in parallel with other things happening. So I wrote, I wrote the song in December of 2021. I think if my memory serves me, I think I wrote the song after a solo viewing on YouTube of Sondheim's Passion. Um, Wow. (laughs) Okay. Love that. I I think, I think that's what happened. Um, and yeah, so I wrote the song in December and I was really interested in it as a song that was two chords, yeah. sort of really minimalizing it out, just really mm-hmm. cycling, cycling, cycling these chords. And then we get a little island of words and then we really stay in the zone and then we get a few more words and then we stay in the zone. Yeah. And I first played the song at Miles Walters' salon. Miles Walters is a phenomenal <laughs> pianist who has hosted many music for you nights in his artist loft. Um, music for you is a night in Miles' loft, kind of like an open mic feeling with more classical bent, I would say. Um, sure. It's a lot of times it's like a bunch of string players getting drunk and sight reading something. Or some really phenomenal pianist improvising some jazz or some musical theater performers singing a musical theater song. And then me playing one of my songs because there I am. Um, <laughs> and so the first time Elle was performed was at one of these nights. And Miles, phenomenal pianist, um, had never heard this song. But I said, Miles, I think it would be really great if you would just sort of play the piano for a while in F. Sure. And then um, stop. And I will sing a little bit and then you play a little more and then I'll sing a little more and you play a little more and then I'll sing and then you just play and we just kind of jam on these chords for a while and that'll be the song. And it was really like, he had never heard it. He didn't know what it was going to be, but he's comfortable in that kind of situation. (laughs) And after I played that, I said, oh, that was, that was kind of nice that this kind of made sense as a song as an activity, as like a 
<laughs> as a journey. This was cool. And so I was, I think I was preparing for my first Bowery Electric show, which was kind of the biggest band I had put together live up to that sure. point. And I said, let's try this in this set. Um, and I really wanted it to be like a time when everyone could solo. So I wanted like, I was like, let's, let's do jazz. Let's have everyone have their solo. Let's be a band. Um, because I, here I am surrounded by all of these musicians who are so good at their music and I take up all the time, you know, singing my songs, whatever. And like, let's, let's have everyone hear them play and have fun. Um, so yeah. in that rehearsal, like they didn't, nobody had a chart. I said, here are the chords. It'll be your turn. It'll be your turn. It'll be your turn. Then build and then stop. And then I'm going to sing a little bit then play a little. I'll sing whatever, how the song goes. And then we're going to have a big drum fill and then we're going to rock out. And then basically all this to say, it was a live moment that I was playing with building. And it really only made sense in the set to do, I think, right before Red Horizons. Um, Mm, Okay. And so I think that's how we found out. We just did that live. And then we said, oh, that's what comes before Red Horizons. That's the story. Wow. How did this become the the title of the album? How did if you knew I couldn't tell emerge from L? Wow, wow, wow. Okay, because it is like it's a central piece of the song. It is. Well, yes. The thing about (laughs) the thing about L and Red Horizons is that they really do make sense as songs that go next to each other. 
And that <laughs> in the moments in my life that they depict, like, I think L happened a few weeks before Red Horizons happened. Um, mm. And so I really wasn't thinking about that in putting this all together. But <laughs> once you have an album to look at, you say, oh, that makes sense. Um, the line, <laughs> if you knew I couldn't tell, I went through so many titles for this album. It took me a really long time to figure out what to call it. For a long time, I thought it was going to be called Red Horizons. But it always yeah. it felt a little general to me or it didn't really feel like it was that compelling as an album title. Um, And I think I really went through every single song and I wrote down any lyric that I thought could be a title. And I would just for weeks message my friends, what if it was this one? Today I'm feeling this one. (laughs) Um, And Chris really immediately latched onto, if you know, I couldn't tell. And, and it was right. Yeah, it was right. It was right. I love that. I love that as an album title, it says like, like come inside, come listen. You know what mm, I mean? It's like, yeah. you've got to listen to me to find out. <laughs> yeah. Find out. It's interesting to hear you talk a couple of times now about how important like performing songs mm-hmm. while they're still in the writing process or while they still haven't like kind of reached yeah. their maybe final form. Yeah. Um, has been to like figuring out, okay, this is what the bridge is, or this is where this will go in the album, or just what kind of shape the song will take. Yes. Um, And yeah, I would love to hear you talk about like what it's like to perform something that is not finished. Um, Yeah. And and just, and how you approach doing that. Definitely. I think that there's a certain level of finish that I always want something to be. Like I want it to, I want to feel like I've at least done my homework of like, I can present to you what to feel or like where to arrive. And then it's really more about like, how can we arrive there in a more elegant way? Um, Or in a way that, that, that achieves more clarity or just does the job better. Um, So I'm never going to perform something that doesn't know what it, it wants to be doing at least and doesn't like land there convincingly or that feels unfinished, I think. Um, So like in the case of three or four, like I had a bridge that was good enough, but there was a better one. Um, Mm -hmm. And like with Vivid, I performed Vivid a lot of times with a whole different second verse. And, and it was, it was cool. And I've actually had a person or two tell me they miss it, but it wasn't doing the job it really needed to do for the song. Um, Mm. Um, so all this to say, I try and make things finished enough, but what's really helpful about the live process of things, um, lyrically or form wise, I think is that hearing people hear my music, even if it's not that many people, which it often wasn't, but hearing people hear my music makes me listen to it in a different way. That's hard to recreate when you're playing for yourself or when you're practicing or even when you're playing for one person or sending someone a voice memo, feeling it happen live, it feels like the most in real time or you're, mm-hmm. when you're performing, it like puts you on the time scale of how somebody hearing it for the first time would be understanding mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So that's really helpful and important. Um, and then on the music side, I play with really great musicians. And so the more they get to give themselves to songs, the better the songs get. And the more I understand about what would be good because all their brains 
and all of their musical facilities are often like beyond mine or in other directions from mine. So that's a really helpful just way to filter music and elevate it. Sure. I'm, I wonder, having done this album, yeah, are there things that you've learned from the process of this where you're like, okay, so for next for the next time around, like, <laughs> mm, okay, we're gonna do this first, or like, or do you have dreams and, and hopes about how to how to manage the second around? Also, I really hope that there's a, there's another album, please. Oh yeah, no, I appreciate it totally. Okay, yes, I mean definitely, I learned extremely much. Also, I I have been having this feeling of like, I didn't know how to make this thing that I made. And I hope that I don't know how to make the next thing that I make. Um, I love that. Yes. So I'm feeling that. But hopefully that still means I could use the things I learned also. (laughs) Um, And learn some new things. Yeah. Things you don't know yet. Yeah. I think that, I mean, the process that I have described turned out to be a lot of discernment as a word. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, and I really like that. And I feel like that is a a general like mindset that I want to bring to projects moving forward because I think I, I think I already kind of knew that on the scale of a song that, that I think good songs happen when I listen to them and like mm. learn about them by writing them what they want to be. And this was just kind of like the next step out from that of mm. listening to the songs together to find out what they wanted to be um, and how they should happen. So I really like want to embrace that like unknown at the start of a project as like being kind of a good sign or like being a really valid place to start something. Um, but I also think I learned a lot about like, I I don't know. I would like to make things, I don't want to say faster. I would say like managing time felt like a lot of the work of making an album was like both literally coordinating schedules and then just figuring out like what, yeah, like what the, lowest common denominators of things are like what really needs mm-hmm. to be solved to be able to move forward. Mm-hmm. What is benefiting from taking time and what is, and what in a perfect world where I wasn't working other jobs, what I just do right away. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. So I think there was a lot of like practical learning that happened that, um, that hopefully means I'll be able to make things in the future more and more at their own pace. I like the pace that they need, but like um, no less than that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I really love that. It's beautiful. Listening into your own stuff, you know, like really yeah. hearing out what it, what it has to say and where it's trying to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like learning, learning about your ears, like this happens at so many levels, but like how many, how many times is it useful to listen to a mix versus when it starts to become detrimental and like you lose your ears are losing steam and like how to balance that out. Like in a day's time, like how much does working more make something better versus worse. And then over a week, like when to give space, when to press on that feels like really what all the learning was. And it's more of like a a muscle thing of making those instincts stronger. 
Okay, pivoting a little bit, similar similar type of question, but in a, a slightly different realm. Um, we are talking to you now in the midst of uh, this project with the New York Times 36 questions. What is it, the 36 questions about love, to fall in love? To fall in love, yes, okay. yes. Um, and I first kind of have a question about this as a thing that the New York Times has done. Mm. So the, these are questions that you and a potential lover yes. <laughs> are, are to discuss with each other? I can give you the quick history because it actually isn't okay. the New York Times. Um, Not, just like Wordle. <laughs> right. That's, that's the key thing here. Um, that's the key thing here. 1997, some psychologist, mm. I don't remember his name, but maybe it was Arthur Aaron, Cut that out if it's not true, but keep it if I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, my memory is often very good, but this really gets me in trouble when it's just wrong because then I'll say things very confidently <laughs> that are wrong. Okay, 1997, that I remember because it's the year we were born. Um, <laughs> psychologist does this study to see if you can make strangers fall in love. So in a lab setting, mm. strangers are brought in, given a series of this specific series of 36 questions to ask each other. And then I guess they study what that does to their relationship. And at least two people coming out of the study got married six months later. Wow. The New York Times comes into play in 2015. They have like the modern love column, which <laughs> my roommates and I were very into in college. Um, and so there was an essay written for the modern love column about a woman who had tried asking the 36 questions from the study with her partner on a date. It was like a second or third date, maybe it was like an early date. Um, and I think this woman in this essay also fell in love and stayed with this person. Um, and so then there was, yeah, it was this modern love essay. And then I think there was some like follow-up New York Times articles about it, but it was, it was that. And so now, <laughs> so you're, now you're making everyone fall in love with you. <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing. Um, so what I'm doing now, I'm answering every question as in song form. Um, I started 36 days before Valentine's Day, which also happened to be like, maybe they did this on purpose the first time. It was like eight years to the day since the essay came out or something. Um, So the 36 days between January 9th or 10th and Valentine's Day, um, I've been writing a song every day to answer one of the questions. Now, the key thing is that I am not doing this with a partner. I'm doing it with myself. Um, (laughs) And so I don't think that it can make people fall in love with me if they're not also answering the questions. Um, But I don't know. We're in new new fields of science here, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. It's part of the research. Yes. Yeah, data collection. That's true. Yes. We'll come back. We'll circle back for the results. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but are there, are, are there things that you are on, let's see, you're on day what now? I did 22 today. Wow, it's a lot of days. Yes. In um, a lot of songs. How, <laughs> how are you feeling? You're, you're over the halfway mark and... Yes. Is it, what's it feeling like and what is it, what is it giving you? It's been really fun. Um, sometimes it is exhausting, but it is mostly really fun. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a new frontier for sure. In that it's both a game as the Wordle was mm-hmm. and like a pace 
that the Wordle was when I first started it. Um, but this time, there's a real element of me speaking from my own experience the whole time, which <laughs> right. is different and which is a new level. And further than that, I, in general, would say that I have been writing these songs with like even more honesty or like adherence to plot than I usually require of myself when Mm. I write even songs that are about myself or about my feelings. So usually like I have, I, I have a, I don't know, a healthy amount of space in my writing for I'll start with something that's often true to me or something that happened. But if the song, like in listening to the song, if, if that finds something that didn't specifically happen to me or if I need to like change the color of something for a rhyme, whatever, I'll do it. And I'm not going to get hung up on that. Um, and in these songs, I, I'm, I'm sure I haven't always stuck to that because there are still rhymes that I want to work, but on the whole, I'm really trying to be like strict about honesty in a way that I don't usually. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, by its nature, you know, the Wordle songs could be about anything and everything. Absolutely. Um, I think, of course, of Ulcer, which you <laughs> yes. put out yes. last year, yes. which is its own kind of fantastical world-building situation. Very different. Um, I've never gone on such a quest. As opposed to these very, very personal, <laughs> uh, intimate questions that you're trying to answer. Yes. It's a different thing. But it's been good. It's been good for me to learn a lot about myself and how I answer these questions and to have a lot of songs, some of them that I'm really excited about that I'm, that I want to write more of. Um, and, um, yeah. And to like break some more rules in a good way of like Mm. one of the, um, there's a lot of permission that comes from having a structure like this. So I felt this in the Wordle also, where like in the Wordle, I would be more playful with language than I would let myself be if it wasn't this particular game. And that was so fun for me and like, and good for me and fun for other people who enjoy <laughs> people being playful with language because that is good sometimes. And then in these songs, like I'll, I'll break rules about like, I don't know, I always try not to reference the fact that I'm a songwriter in my songs or like talk about writing songs. I really always try to abstract that if it comes up. And in these songs, I'm like, no, right now you're allowed to because this is what we're doing and, and it's a real part of your life. And then that's great because sometimes I write songs that have really great things to them and wouldn't have happened if I wasn't letting myself say literally I am a person who writes songs. Yeah. I love that. Just the concept of permission in general and like what what we need as writers to like let yeah. us uh, access certain parts of ourselves or or even just produce like I mean this this whole thing it's like well I'm I, I give myself permission to like write 36 songs in 36 days right which when, means they like, don't they're probably not all gonna be good which is a huge right. part of it <laughs> and like I'm just gonna say that they're finished at a certain point you know what I mean like I don't yeah I don't uh, have to spend forever on them and, and it's it's cool to like have both of these things going on, like an album project, like where, where Red Horizons, like really threw the buck out there and was like, follow me and I'll make you an album. Mm. And it like took some, some 
months, years to to do that. Mm-hmm. And like, and then these other these other things, these other projects um, that are like, it's just today. Today is the yeah. project. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, totally. Then, like working on those two time scales. Um, first of all, it sounds like a workout. <laughs> it is, but it's the it's the only gym I actually want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> wow. Yes. So uh, I love it. I love it. Um, um I don't want to wind down too early. I don't want to like shut shut this down. Um but um I was maybe as like a, as we gesture towards closing, I was wondering, <laughs> well Drum and I are both wondering. Um like as you look back on the body of work that if you knew I couldn't tell is what would current Sophia, today Sophia, say to the Sophia who a long time ago started the project and was like, I'm gonna make this? Mm. Well, I think I think I would say, first of all guess what? You're making an album because I didn't know that I was. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! That's what I would say first. (laughs) And yeah, and I would, and I would say, I don't know, a lot of what we've been talking about that, that all the things that you don't know right now are great to not know. Like that, that making the thing is going to tell you what it is. And so keep making it. And don't wait to know what it is to make it because mm. it's going to tell you. So that is what I would say to myself. Yeah. And I think I would say, you know, some things are going to take more time than you want them to. And that will be useful to learn from. And with that, be glad that you're doing things right because you'll be, it won't feel like it took too long after you did. Mm. So in, enjoy the making and the finding out because mm. it'll find a good spot. I love. <laughs> um, how, okay. If in, in the vice versa a, example or in, in the vice versa of this uh, scenario, mm. um, are, what do you think? Well, you, you have the, the luxury of being current Sophia and not being <laughs> Sophia. It's really, so it's really a luxury. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what do you, how do you think that, that pre all of this version of yourself would, would react or, or would have to say about the project that eventually came about? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it also feels very different to think about like the person writing Red Horizons 2 years ago versus the person 1 year ago starting to make the thing. Also very yeah. very different people. Um <laughs> a sophomore versus a junior. Super different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it I think it would really be like the thing about that song in particular is that I wrote it I say it like aspirationally, which I don't think is a word, mm. but it really is the word that's necessary here. Um, like I, even lyrically, I wrote it in a way that I, I didn't really believe at the time or that felt mm. maybe presumptuous or just felt like something that I knew. I was like, well, with the facts of what's happening, 
I still love you, but it's not going to make me stay implies something very different than like how I was experiencing that moment in my life. Um, But it came true over time, which was really good. Um, And it came to like mean a lot of other things to me. Um, And yeah, it was just, it was, it was really, it would be really great having written that in a moment in which I was very sad um, to know that it would end up being the closing moment to something really joyful. Um, And that like following the process of, of making this project would like help, help me build a lot of self that wasn't there at that time that I like really needed. Um, And yeah, I think, I don't know. I would have I would have been really excited that I got to work with so many wonderful people and that they made amazing sounds happen with <laughs> the songs. I think I would have yeah. wanted to listen to it and that is really the dream. Wow. That is the dream. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for for coming back for returning as we also are returning. As we are and I cannot tell you how much joy that brings me. <laughs> For however long you choose to stay, I I will be listening. Um, yeah, I mean, for listeners of of we love that we for. Side note, I guess we, we need like a a word for. Oh the, my goodness, I should be coming up listeners. with something like this. I feel like that's not your job. Um, <laughs> Hmm. But you guys have good ideas for things like that. So if you came up with one, we could pretend that it happened organically. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, okay, first of all, for listeners of this podcast and listeners of Sophia's music, that's your homework assignment. Is oh. We need some, some listener names. Um, but the listeners of this podcast know that all we do on this podcast is talk about how much we like listening to Sophia's music and <laughs> notify you of when it's coming out. Um, so, and uh, the the idea that in our hiatus, we missed opportunities to to let the people know to go and stream your music, that really, well, it keeps me up at night. And so now we're saying it. We're saying, go listen to If You Knew, I Couldn't Tell. Never, never too late. It's always good to spread out the the notifying, I think. And if you haven't listened to it in a while, go listen again. It's, it's still about there. time. It's still there. <laughs> it's I about time. I listened in preparation for, for our moment here today, and I, I was really baptized anew, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wonderful. Just absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for, for making amazing, inspirational yeah. things that like we all get to share in. Um, oh. I know I shared this with you back when it came out, but like seeing you continue to do your stuff is really like motivating to me. Um, mm. to, and like, it really keeps me feeling like, yeah, making music, like that's, that's worth doing. Um, so yeah. thanks. Thanks for keeping that alive in me. Um, oh, and while doing that, like spreading just gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful sounds everywhere (laughs) well it's very encouraging to me when you say kind words about it so thank you we all we all keep it all going (laughs) 
We love that you love We Love That. This podcast is brought to you by Jerome, that's me, and Kenyon, that's him. With music by Sophia Campomore and art by Griffin Keller. Drop us a line at welovethatpodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Both of these things going on, like an album project, like where Red Robin kind of, Red Robin. <laughs> Red Horizon. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody help me. <laughs>